I've got one! It's still locked down, it's very hot outside. I think it's gonna be the hottest day of the year. But I'm not going on holiday this year because of stupid, stupid, stupid lockdown. That's why I'm starting the podcast episode in this crazy ass way. But now I think about it on reflection, I'm not sure it was the best way to start the podcast. Nonetheless, I'm Oliver Double, I'm a lecturer at the University of Kent, and this is the Proper Job Gradcast, in which we explore how a degree in drama could lead to all kinds of exciting careers in the arts. This will be of interest to you if you're thinking of studying drama at Kent, or you are currently studying drama at Kent, or you're just interested in stuff. In every episode, I interview a Kent drama graduate working in the arts, and this time I'm talking to Laura Lex, who is a brilliant comedian. Uh, you might have seen her on Live at the Apollo, for example, and also a little bit of a kind of Twitter star because she very recently had a thing go viral on that there Twitter sphere. I don't know if that's what you call it. I'm very old. Uh, but anyway, as a result, as you will hear in the podcast, something very exciting happened, uh, opening up her career in a different direction, in addition to the uh, things she's doing with stand-up comedy. In addition to that, she also talks about the level of success she's enjoyed and reflects, oh, why am I telling you this stuff? Why don't you listen for yourself? This is Laura Lex. Who are you and when did you graduate? <laughs> um, my name is Laura Lex and I'm a comedian and writer. I get to say writer these days, how exciting. Um, and I graduated in 2000. And nine. Superb. Yes. <laughs> what? What? I do. Yeah, I think I graduated in two thousand and nine. I yes. think you're right about that. Done. Done. Indeed. <laughs> I've fallen at the first question. <laughs> <laughs> the questions might get harder. Yeah. Uh, so what you can't see is I'm, I'm trying to be professional here, and because this is an audio only link, you can't see me laughing at stuff you're saying because it's. <laughs> Being, being, being good so far. So now, um, so you, you already mentioned your current job is that you're a comedian and writer. Let's start with the comedian bit. What does that entail? Um, so I am a stand-up comic, technically. Uh, so I gig live, I tour, I do the Edinburgh Festival, um, I do television shows, and I write all my own material. So it's a sort of writing, performing full sort of circus of of comedy so one of the things about doing stand-up is that it gives you enormous creative freedom because you are the director the writer the performer right yeah I think that's what I like about it when I first went to uni to do drama I was very sure I wanted to be a very serious actress <laughs> I really really was going to be like the next Oscar winner and then <sighs> Um, I don't know. I got into comedy via the Drama Society at, at uni um, because you could sort of do live stuff. And I did act all the way through uni as well. But then um, comedy is just so immediate. And I'd never, ever have learned that. I, I, did, I had no intention of being a comedian before university, but it was such a... There's something so interesting about having an idea 
that day and trying out some version of it later on that evening and and it you'll polish it up as you like whatever that first rambling thing you say on the stage is that doesn't stay for long and it eventually becomes slightly different material but there is nothing else I've found comes close to that ability to be a heightened version of yourself so quickly and so honestly and I think that you you had a, a like a like a really uh, memorable attitude as well when you were a student in the sense that you were very fearless and enterprising like you would just go right I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do a load of stand-up and I'm going to write new stuff and I'm going to try all different things uh, do you think that was important yes. in, in in you then progressing to become professional after you graduated maybe yeah I think I think what was important was what stand-up brought out of me I don't think I'm like that with most things so like it's interesting to hear myself described like that because that's not really how I am, but that is how I am with comedy. And I think that that's something about the alchemy of me and comedy, that even with acting, which I've loved since I was about five, I don't feel as fearless as I do with comedy. And I always find that now when people, like both my brother-in-laws are ex-Marines and both of them at certain points have gone, I don't know how you do what you do. And you think, are you mad? (laughs) You've been to war zones, you loon. All I do is chat to people. But there's there's something about that thing that scares other people that is just my favorite place to be. And I've never ever felt more confident in myself than when it's through this sort of, lens of it being stand-up comedy yeah that's really interesting and I mean you're 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 slightly modest in talking about your own thing I mean you've been you've done big telly right you've done live at the Apollo and things like that yeah but that's the safest one to do because if you're like so if you're in a pub and there's 10 people in the audience and you're rubbish those 10 people are very near you and will tell you very quickly if it's rubbish right and you're trying out new stuff so but then if you're doing live at the apollo one they're sort of primed for it to be funny because why would you be on live at the apollo if you weren't funny two if you're rubbish they'll just edit it to make it look good by the time it goes out on the tv so that's sort of the safest thing but then the other thing with comedy that i clocked this quite early on and i think that this is partly why i love it and i feel so free with it that the absolute worst outcome of stand-up comedy is that some people that you've never met, that you'll never meet again, don't think you're funny. And they won't remember you, you won't remember them. It doesn't mean you're not funny, you just might not have been funny right then to them. And someone in that room will have found you funny, even if 99% of them don't. Like, And that's the worst it can possibly be. Like, I, I, I remember once having an open mic gig when I was really early on and walking back across the car park with the other act because we were all getting a car share back together and hearing this whole family chatting about what a great night it had been. And I'd bombed. I'd done so badly. It was really new and I'd, I'd just been awful. And we're walking across the car park and this family and the dad just went, oh, that was really good, wasn't it? Shame about the girl one. And then the whole family just made these sad noises. And and you think, well, that's that's as bad as it can be now. They didn't then hound me for years, making sure I never had a career. I just wasn't funny that day. Yeah, oh, but if they, if they saw you now as well, you know, they would have a completely different opinion anyway. Yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't remember that I was who I was before. Like, yeah, I think I like that part. I like the anonymity of the early days of stand-up. Now, I mean, I mean, the other thing you mentioned is you're now a writer as well. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? So this has sort of been... Um, 
a new spin on my career. Um, and it, and it all comes through comedy, really. I was idly tweeting some nonsense about fantasizing about being married to Jurgen Klopp. Um, and uh, it went very viral on the internet. And then next thing I knew, I was in meetings with publishers and literary agents. And suddenly I had a two book deal. So I've actually written the Klopp book that is gone now to the typesetter um, and is published in September. And then the second half of the deal is to write any novel I want to write. Oh my God, um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it it is. But I, I sort of keep trying to tell myself that this is the culmination of all of these years of like different, like, you know, even going back as far as different modules at university on different writing things that like, sure, I've not really sort of picked them up and painted with that brush explicitly but it's been there in the background and if I didn't have those 10 11 years of comedy experience and writing Edinburgh shows and structuring and putting things out then they wouldn't have had this faith in me to do this so it's it's more than just those end result tweets you know that that was the thing that got everyone's attention but Uh, I think you've uh, done the work quietly yeah, yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it actually anticipates nicely the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is what what was the journey like from graduating to where you are now? Particularly, how did you get started? How how, how did you get over that hump of, of persuading people to give you money to do the thing you wanted to do? Um, it was really slow for me. So when I first left uni, I... I sort of bummed about for a couple of months. It was about five months where I was sort of gigging from Canterbury and I went abroad for a couple of months. And then when I got back, um, I actually got a job in sales, which was another thing that weirdly having a drama degree was a massive boost for because my boss told me they only hired me because of my drama degree. Um, And for two years, I worked in Canary Wharf as a salesperson for a search engine optimization company. (laughs) And we uh, made video content. And so I, and it it seems like such a different lifetime to me now. And so weird that I did that, like the the suits every day and they're going down to um, South Quay. But they said to me at the time, they were like, we can teach you the tech side of this, but we can't teach you to be outgoing and a person people want to talk to. So they tended to hire drama students for the sales positions and then teach them, you know, there was no point hiring someone with a tech degree because you couldn't teach them to be gregarious, which I thought was quite interesting. So I did that alongside getting going in comedy and it sort of, it was all right. Like it helped me, I earned, that was a fairly decent wage, that job. So I earned enough that I could kind of gig in London and I'd gig outside of London on weekends and when I could. Um, And I was... I had a nice enough position in that company that I could take a month off in August. I took all my annual leave in August and went up to do the fringe. Um, but basically I was just exhausted <laughs> permanently <laughs> for those two years because I'd sort of work from 8.30 till 6.30, run out and do whatever gig I could and then sort of crawl back into bed. And like, obviously the open mic circuit's so intoxicating that you're out drinking and, you know, mixing with all these comedians and other people that you're meeting. It's really fun. Um, and then after a couple of years of that, I moved down to Brighton. Uh, oh, no, I didn't actually. No, sorry. What I did then was I did go and work in a call centre. So there was a call centre in South East London um, that 
only employs people who are in the arts. It was called RSVP, and I don't know if it's still there, but basically, again, they would employ drama students because they knew we'd be cheerful on the phones, but you could get out of a shift at any point if you had an audition or it could come up, so you could be sat there at your desk, and if you could prove that it was for your sort of arts career you could just leave and it was just really great like you know they knew we needed the money and were really flexible and were fun on the phones and we knew that they'd let us go off and do what we wanted to do career-wise um so that sort of bridged a gap and I did some temping because with comedy you sort of start getting paid quite slowly so it's sort of 20 quid here and there or cover the petrol 50 quid there so then, then I moved down to Brighton and got a couple of part-time jobs so that I could slowly phase them out as the comedy money grew. And I never really got that day of like the walking out of the job and going, I'm going to be a full-time comedian now because I just sort of, one day my boss at the shop I was working in rang and was like, you haven't been in for a shift for a while, do you still need this job? And I was like, oh, no, I don't, do I? <laughs> Comedy's been paying enough for a while and I hadn't really noticed it was happening. <laughs> Thank you. That's really that's really interesting. So, um, you've sort of alluded to a couple of things, but but what what did you get from your degree that that sort of set you up to do comedy? I mean, you mentioned the confidence thing, and you mentioned writing. Was there anything else that you that you did in your degree that kind of helped you once you you know went on the path to becoming a comedian? Just the whole thing, honestly. Without the degree, I wouldn't be a comedian. I I don't. Obviously, I'd have found something else to do. I'm not saying I'd be a in the gutter but I I would never have discovered that stand-up was something I could do and I wouldn't have discovered that that it's just it's such an unobvious leap to those jobs like it's so difficult to be wobbly and having that three or four years to start them like even just starting stand-up in my final year having that year where I was sort of cocooned in terms of other difficult things you know like real life stuff and and able to just start it from that position of safety was massive and I don't know if I'd have been brave enough to do it without that safety net because it's a very different prospect to suddenly go out in the evening and start gigging you know when prior to that you've been at home with your partner just sitting in your house and people that do make that leap I I take my hat off to them for being that brave but university and the degree just surrounded me with people that didn't question why you'd give it a go and I don't know if I'd have been, it would have taken me much longer to, for, for that sort of bravery to occur to me on my own, I think. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because talking to different people who've, who've graduated from the Kent Drama degree, who are in very different jobs, it's really interesting how sometimes they'll talk about things they did in, in, uh, as part of their degree that you'd think, well, why does that make a difference so you know somebody look talking about studying Shakespeare who's now a magician that kind of thing it's yeah. do you know what I mean you, you you don't know what what skills that you come out with or knowledge is going to become relevant yeah. later on you just pull out what you need and when you need it absolutely and just the breadth of like you know at the moment obviously comedy is is paused because of coronavirus so there's no live gigging and then when I was at uni, I did a module on restoration theatre, on, you know, the closing down of all the theatres during Cromwell. 
And I was sort of thinking suddenly, like, we're sort of going through that again, or this is the closest to that that's been, I think, in four or five hundred years. How fascinating. And just having some context for all these different things and... You know, like I've just I've sold a couple of scripts in the last couple of years for sitcoms and TV things, and I did one module on playwriting. But just that confidence to give it a go—that the idea of putting a script together isn't a completely blank space in my brain. The fact that when I had an idea for characters, I could just sit down and start drafting it instead of first of all having to spend three hours looking at what scripts look like and how that works, like that is invaluable and the way you can sort of switch between lots of roles so you know you can be an actor you can be stand-up comedian and then in your next lesson you're the director and then in the next one you're doing some sort of like dance-based devising thing just having a quick go at all those different roles is really great for the sort of life where you are doing a different thing day in day out yeah that makes a lot of sense so I have one more question, and it's this. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who say that a drama degree won't lead to a proper job? Why would you want a proper job? That's Why a good question. Why would you want to get paid for doing something that you love that's brilliant? Like, I don't... What do you mean by proper job? Do you mean a boring job? Like, a drama degree will let you pay the rent. I just bought my first house on the money that I swapped for for jokes like do you know what I mean like every penny that I paid for this house with was from telling jokes or making people laugh or entertaining people um I've lived off this career for five years uh I don't have a trust fund I'm not one of those people that lived with their parents while they got going like I still owe all my student loan money um came from a builder and a teaching assistant was the first person in my family to go to university and I wasted it on a drama degree <laughs> and it's been great. Like, I, by proper job, I, I'd love people to question what they think they mean by that and why they don't think the arts is proper. Like, what about the fact that most people watch Netflix and Netflix is the arts but just called something less wanky? What don't you get about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, there's all sorts of um, studies being done that show that money that goes into the arts is is paid back many times over in terms of the overall effect on the economy and also, you know, people's national mood and things like that. Um, It's it's crazy how it's still seen as this sort of silly career. Um, And and congratulations on... It's the phrase the arts, isn't it? It's a stupid phrase. Like, the arts, it sounds so... If you think of a stand-up comedy gig, like a load of people in a village hall with trestle tables out and, you know, laughing at dick jokes or whatever, the arts doesn't fit that. Or EastEnders, the arts doesn't fit that. But it is all the arts. But I just think that it's packaged wrong. That term is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, no, I think that's very, very true. And congratulations on the house purchase. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. It's exciting. So that was Laura Lex there. I forgot to say before going into the episode, this was recorded during lockdown uh, or lockdown. I don't know where lockdown is. Anyway, it was recorded during lockdown via not Zoom, actually. It was via a thing called CleanFeed, which is slightly better audio, but there are still a few audio glitches in there. Also, as I mentioned uh, in the thing, 
like I was trying to stop my my chuckling coming through as Laura was talking because I found quite a lot of what she was saying quite funny. But you'll find I wasn't wholly successful uh, when you were listening to that. I think you probably hear these noises every now and then of me kind of going <sighs> like that. That was me laughing at Laura. Um, I thought she had so much uh, to say there that was really, really useful um, to, from from the, the unexpected bits of her degree that then became useful later on to, you know, the way that you have to balance doing creative jobs with regular jobs, at least when you start out, and then how you could eventually phase that out if you keep going and you're dedicated enough. And I think she is dedicated enough. I also think she was an awesome interview interviewee. Uh, so awesome, in fact, I forgot how to say the word interviewee. So anyway, that's all for this episode. We will be back with another one very soon. Got to, got to get a job.